Welcome to another episode of Liberty Talk, brought to you by the Wyoming Liberty Group. We are your hosts, Mandy and Cassie, and our mission with Liberty Talk is to bring you information on the hottest issues facing Wyoming today. We want to make sure you have access to the in-depth information you can't necessarily find with a quick Google search. In every episode, our goal is to bring you discussions with people from all over our great state, whether they be members of the governor's staff, industry professionals, legislators, or hardworking folks just like you. In today's episode, we are taking a look at Power Wyoming, which is a program Governor Mark Gordon announced in November 2019. So we recently visited the governor's office to get the scoop. We had the pleasure of meeting and speaking with Rennie McKay, who serves as Governor Gordon's policy director. Rennie was an absolute wealth of information, and we are so excited to bring that conversation to you. So without further ado, here is that interview. Good morning, everyone, and a big thank you to Rennie McKay for hosting us today. We are super fortunate to be recording this podcast at the governor's office, and it's right after Thanksgiving and the big snowstorm, and it had us all homebound and buried, so it's great to get out this morning and get back to life. To kick things off, Rennie, uh, please, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, yeah, my name is Rennie McKay, and I'm Governor Mark Gordon's policy director, so I uh, joined uh, the administration in December during the transition period uh, to work with the governor. So I've uh, been here from from the beginning and uh, really honored to be part of this team and um, then started uh, helping on the Power Wyoming project here. Uh, it was about five or six months ago. Great, great. So kind of tell us a little bit about Power Wyoming. What's the elevator speech for it? Right. All right. Yeah. Well, so Power Wyoming uh, comes from the idea that knowledge is power. And so what the, the governor has wanted to do is bring forth uh, more information about what's happening right now uh, for Wyoming, and especially in relationship to energy production and how energy production has changed and, and is likely or what are the scenarios for how uh, it will change in the future. And then what that means to Wyoming's revenue picture in particular. So it's budget season here mm-hmm. uh, in the capital city, and obviously that's front and center. And so uh, the idea is, is that this can present better information for anyone who's interested, especially decision makers, about what's going to happen and, uh, or what are the, the scenarios that could happen in our future. And then what we can start to do is layer in some discussions uh, that, that step away from kind of raw data and forecasts are obviously not raw data, but they're based on uh, some fairly uh, um, objective data that comes from the federal government about energy production. And you combine that with our revenue models and our tax models and what that will do for revenue into the future since we're so dependent on energy production for our revenues for the state. Yeah, yeah. And then um, as we look at the, those different scenarios and the kind of range of, of potential uh, revenue pictures that we could face, then we can start to discuss and, and work with economists and others to see how we can change that future to what policies uh, are likely to impact this in the future. And, and that those are choices that Wyoming leaders can make. And then also we also have to be considering what could happen nationally um, or in other states. It isn't just a national conversation anymore when you talk about policies that impact 
Wyoming energy production, there's state policies that affect us as well. How will those likely change the scenarios that are kind of the best available data right now? Okay. All right. That's a um, long elevator speech, It is wasn't a long it? elevator yeah. speech, but I'm it's okay. sorry. You, you're it's trapped in the elevator right. with me. So, <laughs> we'll so, so with that, um, I think we really want kind of want to boil it down for folks who, who don't work in this stuff and, and don't, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe it every day. Um, if you're just the random guy out there, how serious is the energy problem in Wyoming? The, the, the change is, is significant right now in terms of what's happening with energy production. Uh, you know, and, and this isn't just the forecasts. This is the, the past, too. So coal production in Wyoming. Wyoming is the leading coal-producing state in the nation, um, and it has been a very large part of um, producing jobs, fortifying our communities, and providing revenue for all of us. So every single person in Wyoming benefits from the coal industry and that industry, the production has changed, has gone down 35% over the last decade uh, till now. 2008 to about 10 years ago was the high point, but nonetheless, even last year, we're seeing um, production decrease at rates close to 10%. So um, things are happening very quickly in, in coal, um, but we're also seeing natural gas industry with um, production declines and the, the forecast is and, and the scenarios into the future look pretty flat um, with a slight decrease in natural gas but we've been coming down in production and just in the last month um, we've heard other natural gas companies say that they can no longer it's no longer cost effective and, and beneficial for them to continue production so mm-hmm. this the situation is pretty serious Oil, on the other hand, is where we're seeing an increase, and that's why today um, our revenues are um, are not dire. The, the, the situation we're in today isn't dire, and that's because we've seen an increase in oil production. But what has happened and what the concern is is that we're kind of now looking to be very dependent on one commodity. Wyoming has usually had three commodities, coal, oil, and gas, that can really um, affect our revenues and, and keep mm-hmm. things stable. Um, and any one of those can rise or fall, but we're seeing kind of two in decline, right. and that puts We're kind of putting our all our fortunes. eggs in one basket. Yeah, yeah. and then what, what makes that even more challenging is, is that oil is the most volatile of those three. So... Um, it's very hard to forecast and, and look at into the future with oil and uh, anything you do is, is uh, probably going to be mm-hmm. very wrong because of the volatility in that mm-hmm. with that commodity. Great. So if you were somebody who lived in a small town, do you think it affects you more in that small town than in a bigger town? Well, um, you know, I think, I think we're all impacted by this. I, I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of focus has been on Kemmer lately because there's been a lot of talk about how the Kemmer mine could close and the Naughton power plant, which is a coal-fired power plant. And well, there's three units there. Two of them are coal-fired and one's gas-fired. And they're looking to expand the, the gas-fired one. But, you know, um, in a town like Kemmer, if that coal mine closes and that power plant closes that's the heart of the community. Right. So in a community like that, it's it's dire. Mm-hmm. And it is very drastic, the situation that they're facing. And so 
um, you know, it's, it's something that the governor's the governor is taking very seriously, and our, the entire administration is taking very seriously. I think you know if you're out in Pine Bluffs on the other side of the state, um, you know, the oil production around you is actually making your community stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, Douglas, same thing. Douglas is flourishing right now. Commerce County is seeing a ton of revenue and, and dealing with the impacts of a lot of um, more growth. Um, so it really varies in Wyoming, and that always happens. But I think we have to keep in mind that the way that we've structured our revenues is, is that, well, that coal mine and that power plant in, in Kemmer are provide a ton of revenue for that, that is paid locally. A bunch of that actually goes back to the state and helps schools everywhere. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just like an issue for that, that Kemmer should be worrying about. We, right. we should all be paying attention and considering right. this. Yeah, we have um, small communities all over the state that are going to face this. Well, you, you know, and I guess my point is, is that that's a coal community. So, you, you know, let's say you're, mm-hmm. well, and we, you know, we have these other communities. Wheatland, another power plant, coal-fired power plant base there. If policies are come about that close that power plant early, um, then that community is going to be really impacted mm-hmm. as well. And so another kind of dire situation for them. But if you're in, um, you know, Shoshone, there isn't, there aren't jobs tied uh, to the coal industry. There's some to energy and oil and gas. So, you know, it, it this does affect everybody mm-hmm. um, in, in their own way. So I think we just have to really be considering, and I think that's kind of the point, which yeah. is that I think the governor would really like Power Wyoming to be, uh, the start of a discussion statewide to say, what's the future of this state and, and what are we going to do to kind of take control of it um, and deal with the challenges that we face? Has there been any examples that come up? Say, what does Cameron do if, if this happens? Yeah, so, you know, um, there's a couple parts of this and it, it kind of gets to, I think, the governor's strategy around energy um, is, is that no, we're not, the, the decision there to close that power plant, and the power plant takes most of the coal from the mine, so if the power plant closes, the mine closes. If the power plant stays open, then the mine hopefully stays open as well. Um, so, you know, let's do all we can to keep that power plant open. Because mm-hmm. then you have both of those there. So that's part of the, the strategy. That said, you know, there's power plants, and Naughton is one of them, that is getting towards the end of its, what was it, its expected life. It was built, I think, in the 60s or 70s. And so, you know, there is going to be a time when you'd either uh, retrofit or completely overhaul a power plant to keep it going. It's still working well, but, um, you know, a uh, company that owns it, in this case it's Rocky Mountain Power, um, would either need to overhaul it to keep it going and have it go for that many years, or it's going to hit its end of its life. So what do you do? Um, let's keep it open as long as we can, um, and as long as it's economic and beneficial. Mm-hmm. And then um, then let's figure out how you help a community like Cameron plan. And that's part of what Power Wyoming too is, is that we've got some people who are on the team from the executive branch and the University of Wyoming who are trying to find resources to match to a community like Kemmer to say, here, um, here's some dollars that you can use to plan. So you can look at your future and say, what do you want to do, Lincoln County and Kemmer, 
to um, figure out what's where you're going to go into the future um, and you know look out 20 years and that's you know probably beyond the lifespan of that power plant 20 sure. years from now for mm-hmm. sure you, mm-hmm. um, right now it's planned to close in 2025 so it's well beyond that um, that kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, who's all working on Power Wyoming? Who all is involved? So, the, you know, the governor grabbed the people that he can, um, <laughs> that are um, there to help. So they're economists at this point has really been the focus. And they're uh, state economists? or Yeah, we, and University of Wyoming economists. And so we've got some from the legislative branch, some from the, um, the executive branch, and, and some from UW. So they've been helping to kind of find out what data is available nationally um, and statewide, and what are some of the models that you can do economic modeling with to help. And then we brought in some other people from the executive branch who are experts in their fields around looking at um, the future of uh, or policies. And so you know that's kind of where we're at right now um, with that. And so the next step tomorrow, I'll actually have a meeting with some folks from the business alliance. Uh, to talk to them, to have that private industry look at this. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, again, where we're at right now was taking federally available, you could go get the data yourself. Um, anybody could go get it. It's online that it looks at um, the different scenarios for energy production that the federal government, their experts have have created, and there's a range of, of scenarios. And then we plug that into our revenue model again. So um, it's it's fairly objective at this point. So the next point is, is like, what, what are we missing? Can we, you know, if there's a, there's a range of options of, of scenarios that uh, we're looking at. So we can talk to people in private industry to say, where do you think we're going to fall within those range of scenarios? What do you think is the, kind of the yeah. best um, or most likely? And where should we kind of focus our eyes? And then the question is, what policies do we want to do to try to change that? Mm-hmm. Um, are there ideas out there that people from across Wyoming, from the private industry, and you know, I think we'll be having conversations with people from the general public too about looking at this and say, okay, what do we do next? Yeah, yeah, that's our next question was going to be. <laughs> yeah, is there going to be a place for people to to hop in there and kind of voice their opinions? Or yeah, you know, definitely it, it's. Um, but again, it's we're not really at an opinion based part of the, the this process yet, but. Um, I think we're really looking for ideas, um, and and so then we can look at um, where do we go next um, for this. And, and mm-hmm. I think just having right now, it's more of a conversation. Just say, you know, if you were mentioning it, folks in small towns. If you live in a small town, did you even know kind of where the energy production is likely to go into the future? Um, and we're able to update this to the, the federal government. It's called the Energy Information Administration, EIA, puts this information out every year in January. So we're about to update it, actually, too. Okay. So because that's part of the challenge with this is where we're at now. The, the scenarios we have are based on January data. Those don't look at uh, announced closures of coal-fired uh, power plants that happen in other states that use Wyoming coal. So this will change again in January with more updated information. And it doesn't really take into account policies. So, you know, we're now, I believe, at 33 states that have passed policies that call for a reduction in, um, in carbon emissions, especially from the power sector. So, you know, some of them call for all renewables or a certain percentage of renewables, of renewable power produced in their states. 
Um, and so states are passing those pretty quickly too, and those are going to impact us. Okay. Well, that kind of leads me into another thing. Um, I'll, sorry if I jump around a little bit here, no but so if you're in a small community and we always hear the word diversification thrown around, what is what does that look like? I mean, some of these small communities are going to have a really hard time attracting business that's not energy based. Yeah, I, you know, I think kind of yes and no. Um, I guess so. One part of this too is is that I think we do need to bring forward the fact that diversification can't solve our revenue problem for the state right. you know so that's again we're in budget season we're thinking about the state's budget mm-hmm. and it, you know with diversification you want to think about vibrant communities you want mm-hmm. those communities to be resilient and last um and, and be attractive to people into the future so you know the governor i think everybody shares the idea that we want to attract people to those communities and make sure there's jobs um, um services available for people to live there into the future because you know they're amazing but it's the wyoming is i I think we're all we all have connections to small towns in wyoming and and appreciate them so um you do want jobs to to go there and you want diversification but with our current revenue model you if we bring in a new company we actually lose an individual who doesn't work in energy right now or growth in a field that isn't energy costs the state money because we're so dependent on um, the energy industry for right. for revenues. Right. So there's kind of two parts of that. Is is I think is, is you're a small town. You look at this. Um, we need to be aware of the fact that we've kind of made those policy choices mm-hmm. and figure out if, if, if how long that's sustainable. Um, and then we have got to figure out ways to attract people too. Uh, so that there are going to be jobs because I think that they those communities are attractive and um, I think they are actually growing small businesses out of them we have lost people over the last few years in terms of population especially as you move away from Cheyenne Um, but I think that's as much because of the changes in the energy industry as anything so I I still think our small towns are growing businesses and and um, have a bright future I guess I would wonder when you talk about you know 33 states have passed policies and those deal with the carbon emissions what other policies could we pass I mean I know this is kind of a hypothetical because the economists are still working toward kind of that answer what we need to maybe change to be able to dictate the future but can you just give I guess the common man sort of an idea what kinds of policies are we talking about deregulation carbon emissions can you give us some examples yeah so that has been one of the early stages of this is is that um first was to look at what are the policies that are happening outside of our state that that are likely impacting us or could impact us into the future. So um, hopefully folks who are listening to this could see the this PowerPoint presentation that was put together by a member of Power of Wyoming, Kip Coddington from the University of Wyoming, and he worked with a little policy subgroup of some other folks um, from around the executive branch. Um, and so, you know, we were looking at, because Wyoming is the biggest exporter of energy in the state, in the, in the country, by 
kind of leaps and bounds. You see it pretty mm-hmm. quickly if you look at this PowerPoint. Um, where you know Texas produces a lot of energy, but they use a lot in state, so we export more than Texas does. Um, so we're really affected by those those other states' policies. Um, so that's where we're at right now to kind of say here are some of the things, and you can look at that federal legislation that could certainly have an impact. Um, there's an overview of the the states, although it's already changed because you could tell Colorado's. Uh, policy has changed since this map that's in this PowerPoint uh, was put together. Um, and the other thing that we're dealing with is, is even utility companies and a lot of people in the private sector are putting in place kind of low carbon goals for their company. So if a utility does that, obviously they're going to move towards shutting down a coal-fired power plant is, is how we've seen it manifest. Um, but you also see Shell, uh, for instance, uh, making a commitment to try to produce more low carbon energy globally. So, you know, that's going to have an impact on us. But I guess then the question becomes, you know, what do we do here um, to, to, to deal with this? And I think that, again, as I was mentioning with the governor's strategy is, is you want to keep coal-fired power plants open as long as you can. And one way to do that are policies that captures the carbon because, you know, ultimately, when you talk to somebody rationally in this debate, that their their fight shouldn't be with coal, it should be with carbon in the atmosphere. So if we're gonna get the carbon out of the atmosphere, um, and that's what we, that technology we call carbon capture and storage or utilization. So you, you capture the carbon before it's admitted and then can use it and actually commercialize it. Um, so if we can help those policies along because they're not being driven very quickly by um, many other places. So Wyoming is a leader on this. Our congressional delegation works really hard on this. The governor works very hard on this. Um, but you know, we're also seeing North Dakota, as an example, is a state where we've got allies um, on this. And, and I think you know, other states recognize that it's an important part of the conversation. Um, so you know, there's definitely an example of a policy. But it is, it's very fascinating to me because um, I think the utility sector is pretty normal to a, a market-based um, approach. And these policies outside of Wyoming have changed the marketplace. So there's been interference in the market. And now, you know, I think it's kind of this question of do we want to interfere in the market to incentivize carbon capture um, so that we can still have coal industry going forward? Um, you know, we've seen, we, we, currently we're, we're under a regime where there are um, very significant tax incentives for renewable energy production. So, you know, the, the industry has been, the renewable industry has benefited from that and the utility industry has benefited from it. And so it's, it's almost, um, it's a cost benefit now to uh, make purchases in renewables for utility companies. Do we want to have a policy in Wyoming that creates an incentive, or do we want to um, help with state dollars to get more research and development done on carbon capture utilization um, technologies so it, it can better compete in this marketplace? Great. So those are some of the big, big questions. But you know, last year we saw Senate File 159, which was a bill that mandates uh, a utility um, your best faith effort to sell a coal-fired power plant before they just retire it. 
And so, you know, again, it's kind of a policy that makes utilities look at this issue um, and so that perhaps we can extend that life beyond what a utility would do in this marketplace. Great. Awesome. That's an awesome explanation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. I, it's a, it's I a lot. So. I mean, there's, there's really a lot to this. It's, it's it, a big deal. And there's it big is, deal. you know, and it's, it is very complex to think of we're tied up in national policies. We're talk, tied up in national tax policies. Mm-hmm. We're tied up in mm-hmm. state policies. We're tied up in utility decisions. So um, I've said this a few times. Our public service commission that regulates the utilities, um, there's this document that that gets filed and it's called an integrated resource plan you know great (laughs) term right everybody calls it an irp um and so the utility files that and it says how they're what their plan is for where they're going to get resources for for rent energy production and normally it's a pretty benign document they say you know the, the marketplace is this and we'll continue to do this and so as I understand it, I haven't been around for very many of these because I, I don't think, you know, you guys probably are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Never really heard of them. And they apparently, you know, are discussed for about 20 minutes and, and accepted for filing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rocky Mountain Power, you know, almost a year ago, um, they were in the middle of this process of doing an integrated resource plan for their entire area, which is six states, uh, which includes Washington, Oregon, and California, a little bit of California. So they announced that they were looking at closing uh, coal plants all across the West and, and including several in Wyoming. And so it really hit hard. So all of a sudden we're paying attention to this document called an integrated resource plan. And I would say that the, the one, it was filed in October. It is the most significant integrated resource plan in Wyoming history. And so, you know, here we are kind of like, dealing with all these changes that are are coming at us fast and furious and um you know our approach and how we've dealt with things in the past really don't really apply so that you know senate file 159 is this whole new look at what you do as a state and policy because we're having to deal with these other policies that are really coming down and affecting us so quickly right now so it's a historic time it is yeah it is it is for sure and I think it's tough. Um, there's so much that you've brought up here that people just don't have any clue about, I think. Well, you, you know, and because it's all happening so fast, uh, it's, it's really challenging because, I, you know, the idea of coal being the most affordable and reliable energy source in the nation has been true for decades upon decades. Coal-fired power electricity really built the economy of this nation. I don't, you know, Wyoming was at the heart of it for the last few decades. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, with the subsidies, wind power, when the wind's blowing, is cheaper. And that just happened. You know, in the last, essentially, probably two years, it was somewhere where those lines crossed of, of the cost. And, of course, it was impacted by a national policy that, that affected, again, the market. Um, on this, but you know, it, this is it's all happening really quickly, so our you know, we're having to change the way we think about things, yeah. And some of it's kind of out of our control to a certain extent, right? I mean, the federal government regulations, the even the presidency, you know, that could change in 2020, and what those layers of regulation mean, and how we can kind of create our own policy to the extent we can 
to dictate our own future, right? Yeah. Because the governor yeah. can't change everything in this whole space. Am I correct about that? Oh, yeah. You know, and certainly, you know, a decision by another governor in another state when we respect states' rights mm-hmm. um, can impact us because they use a significant amount of Wyoming coal, for instance, in, in one of those states, and all of a sudden they want to stop. Um, you know, the governor, it, 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 we, we can and have... Um, taken some pretty close looks at those decisions and participated in the process appropriately to say, was that decision really made based on the facts that you said they were being based on? Um, but it, it's really challenging to, to kind of deal with these things that do happen outside of our borders. And, um, you know, that's, uh, it, it's happened to Wyoming a lot. You know, we, we're, we, we can be, affected significantly by and it used to be mostly changes in the marketplace you know if the price of of coal dropped or the price of oil dropped or the price of natural gas dropped or went up our fortunes changed um so you know this isn't new um and i think a lot of people in wyoming are somewhat used to that there's the jokes about booms and busts yes um and and the realities the the kind of acknowledgement of booms and busts in our past um, are something that have happened. The governor makes the point, and, and others have made the point too, it's not just him saying it, that it does feel like though this downturn we're on right now, your first question um, about energy production, it seems like this is more of a fundamental shift, not a cycle. That we're, you know, we're not just going down into a valley only to come out of it eventually. Right. It kind of seems like some people are having a, a hard time wrapping their minds around like, this is this is for real, guys. This is really a shift. Yeah. 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 You know, again, because it is, it's, it's just, it, it, we're at this kind of precipice in, in time, and it, you know, that's the other part of it is, is even as we looked at data, there's some scenarios that show oil production is going to save us. That we're gonna, we don't have to do any, we don't have to change anything, and you'll see an increase in oil production and oil prices in six or seven years, and that would that could um, bring back revenue. But boy, again, are we gonna depend on oil and the volatility of it? And, and really, that analysis comes from January, and we've just seen announcements um, from the a lot of oil companies talking about how things are so unstable in the last few weeks. So that's more up-to-date data, and that shows the volatility of it. But again, it's kind of—I I think it goes to that point of like, oh well, you know, do we just tighten our belts and um, you know spend some more out of um, savings and make a few cuts, and we'll we'll just oh, so all change and we'll be okay in a few years. I I don't think we can do that, and, and the economists on this team really do not feel like we can do that, especially when you're we're dealing with the potential for these other policies that could affect oil production. You know, mm-hmm. think about the kind of the debates that we're having mm-hmm. right now nationally and that we're hearing, you know, in particular in the Democratic primaries, you know, those, are, they're talking about big moves away from oil, big moves away from oil, um, gas and coal too. So um, you brought it up. The 2020 election is a significant election. So we've talked a lot about Revenues, but let's look at the expense side. Is is looking at the real expenses part of of Power Wyoming? Yeah, you know, um, you can see it on. There's kind of two PowerPoints that uh, folks could look at. 
online that are associated with this. And um, we have built in um, kind of a look at where revenues are because this helps um, get at a little bit of, you know, what's the deficit we're facing, right? Mm -hmm. What's what's under the curve or under the line um, for expenditures? And so the, the point of that is to say, you know, um, do how do we deal with this deficit we're facing? Right. You know, what, now would you say a, a fair chunk of that is education? Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of talk right now going around that education is where the focus needs to happen. Is spending in education is just completely off the charts. Yeah, and it, you know, there's these really fundamental, challenging. We're talking about complex discussions so education is definitely one of them right you but could so, put 10 podcasts together on education yeah yeah yeah, yeah and just on even educational funding and then that would get you into the discussion about the policies and the, and the practices um but yeah so you know in this budget that the governor just proposed the biggest uh cost out of the rainy day savings account was was for education right so it it continues to where the cost of education is outstripping the revenues that we built to pay for it. But, you know, we were afforded um, by the foresight of the people that came before a, a rainy day account that you could spend out of to, to, to manage this time. But, um, you know, how long will that happen? And then you have to deal with the fact that the reason that education costs are increasing um, and you can't just make a cut tomorrow is a Supreme Court decision. So in terms of the balance of powers, the, the courts have spoken on this issue and it, it's, it's a pretty fundamental issue to try to cut education and it probably takes, and this is an interesting part of this whole discussion, is, is it probably takes the state, if you were gonna make a change, it will probably take a constitutional change, which means the voters of Wyoming have to say, we want to kind of allow cuts to education to come forward. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's a huge discussion. Yeah, there's that's a awesome. podcast topic. Oh yeah, right. You can dedicate a whole channel to that. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing I've always wondered too is when you read the Campbell decisions, the whole reason that that started was the way that we fund education. You know, it there was a time when Natrona County, for example, would get more money than Laramie County because of its size and because of the revenues from coal in that specific district, they were getting more money and that wasn't really fair because you know each child should be getting the same amount, so to speak. So I've always wondered, is there a different way to run the entire funding model? And I think that's what Campbell was driving at. And I don't know if this is really your area of expertise <laughs> yeah, or anything, no, but, but I think that that plays into it because mm-hmm. if it reaches a point, you know, where the governor's hands are tied and he's done what he can do to try to diversify this economy, to protect us and insulate us from federal decisions and presidencies and what have you, and what are we going to do next? I've always wondered, is there going to come a time when maybe the legislature is going to be forced to kind of revamp the entire funding model and how we mm-hmm. do it generally? Mm-hmm. And if there are ways to still constitutionally fund outside of what we're doing now, maybe something that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's, we'll, we'll all get a front row seat on this and, <laughs> uh, because next year is the year they, after this session, they will start the process of, again, considering right. the, um, the funding model for education. Yeah. To be continued. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Next time. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, um, 
where can people go to, to learn more about this if they want to kind of dig in and, and really get educated on this? Where can they go? Oh, well, great question. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we're always trying to think of how do you best put information out. So uh, um, I'll share it with you. Um, the, the, the presentations so far, and they're a little complex uh, because, again, we're kind of speaking to the appropriators right. and, the, and the revenue committee yeah. with these presentations. But I'll send you the PowerPoint so they could be on your website. Yeah, That'd absolutely. be great. Absolutely. Um, they're on the legislature's website um, and the revenue committees where for where they were presented. And we also the governor uh, um, has launched a new website called Wyoming Sense, and that's uh, a means to better track the budget. And so people can dig into the budget to see what his proposal was. And then after the legislative session, they can see what the legislature did with his proposal and what they approved and what they um, didn't approve. Um, so, you know, tr definitely trying to make some more information accessible uh, to the public. Great. Perfect. All right. Well, unless you've got any other questions. I don't think so. That was great. Yeah, I learned perfect. a lot. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, thank you very much for asking great questions and having the conversation because I do think this is about mm -hmm. talking about this issue. We, yeah. we need to talk about it more so that more people engage. Mm -hmm.